Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Day Beautiful podcast feed. My name is Adam. I am the founder of Day Beautiful, the website and podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out Day Beautiful on daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And welcome to yet another First Taste reading series where I invite an author to read five minutes from their work to kickstart your week off with great literature and put you in a really good mood. Today's guest was born in Los Angeles and raised in Costa Rica. She is a graduate of Brown University and the University of Minnesota's MFA program, where she was a Winifred Fiction Fellow and a College of Liberal Arts Fellow. She currently lives in Minneapolis with her husband, the artist Connor McManus. Her debut novel, Sirens and Muses, is out now and was listed on the Debutiful Best Debuts of 2022. Please welcome Antonia Angris. Hey, Antonia. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm great. I'm really honored to be to be on this podcast. I'd love to hear what uh, Sirens and Muses is from your perspective for readers who haven't discovered it yet. So it's a um, it's sort of a campus novel. Half of mm-hmm. it takes place on a college campus, but I think it, more broadly, it's a coming of age novel about four striving, struggling artists navigating uh, their way through life and love. Um, first at a a prestigious art school in New England, and then later in New York, uh, against the backdrop of the Occupy Wall Street movement. So it's, again, it's a coming of age story, but it's also a novel about creativity, um, mm-hmm. about, it's about a lot of things, I guess, love, art, mm-hmm. friendship, ambition, betrayal. Um, yeah. 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 I graduated college in 2011, right when the novel was set. Um and like it really hit just a lot of like that uncertainty of what was going on, like Occupy Wall Street, uh, the recession, are jobs even a thing anymore? Uh, did you start writing this back then, or were you just kind of thinking about these characters? I started um, writing it back in 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. So I was I was in college in mm-hmm. in 2011 uh, when the book is set. Um, yeah, and I graduated into a recession. I <laughs> I was I got a job. I was lucky. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I definitely. You know, remember that sense of this feeling that 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 the future has been yanked out from under your feet, and the that the promises that that you were made were you know were all broken. Um, so that's that's part of what I was sort of exploring that sense of you know how how do you figure out you know what you want and what's important to you, especially as as an artist, as a creative person, when you feel that you know this future that you thought was. Yeah. <laughs> was going to be yours is you know it's actually been been yanked away from you definitely i have many questions to ask but i'll let you hop into your reading what portion of the book what do you set it up what are you reading today so i think i'm going to read just from the from the very beginning um this book has four points of view and so they're uh they're sort of it has to get set up four different times so i'm just (laughs) going to read from the very very beginning um which is probably the part that i rewrote the most i'll I'll ask about that after your reading all right we'll take it away all right louisa's first assignment at rin college of art was paint home she'd left home 12 days ago and now as she looked out the classroom window it startled her still to see hills and sullen huddled townhouses the New England sky close and cold, nothing like at home, where the sky overwhelmed the land, a drama of clouds and rain and strange shafts of tawny light. 
She'd never been on her own before. Her year at South Louisiana Community College didn't count. She'd slept in her old bedroom, borrowed her mother's car to get to class, worked the same shifts at Chez Jacqueline, eaten Sunday dinner at Grandma and Pepe's. Louisa was homesick. It was normal, she told herself. Even at 19, almost 20, it was normal. And so, alone in her studio, she'd cried a little as she painted Lake Martin at dusk, bald cypresses echoed by their dark reflections in the water. It was a placid scene, but ominous, tinged with danger, curdled at the edges like a faded bruise. In the background, low, swollen clouds gleamed with uncanny clarity, and a flutter of pintails took off over the marsh. In the foreground, an ibis waited in the shallows, its bow-shaped beak slicing through the water. Its plumage was a soft, unglossed white, except for its black wingtips. Its pearly blue eye met the viewers. She'd chosen an ibis because Grandma had once told her that it symbolized resilience. It was the last animal to take shelter before a hurricane and the first to reappear after the storm. No, not resilience, Mom had said, overhearing. Regeneration and wisdom. Danger, Louisa thought. Optimism. Dinner, Pepper added. Hunting ibises was illegal, but he'd grown up shooting them for the table and occasionally still brought one home. The meat was orange and fishy. Now, a thousand miles away from him, Louisa stood alone in an empty classroom. She'd arrived early to secure a spot on the southern wall, and she was pleased with how her painting looked there, bathed in that diffuse northern light, what mom called painterly light. One window was cracked to let in a breeze, but the room still smelled sharply of oils and turpentine. Afternoon sun gilded the floorboards. As Louisa's classmates arrived and hung their work, she turned to the wall and ran her fingers over the thumbtack holes. The other sophomores all knew each other already, had spent foundation year together, and in their presence, Louisa felt furiously shy. Maureen walked in, a manila folder under her arm. All professors went by their first names at Wren, which did nothing to make Maureen less formidable. Though her wardrobe consisted entirely of overlarge t-shirts and paint-stained cargo pants, the pockets full of jangly objects, she carried herself with the pugnacious confidence Louisa occasionally saw in certain older women who'd stopped caring what the world thought of them. Everyone ready? said Maureen. She opened up her folder. We'll go alphabetically this time. Louisa Arsenex, you're up. Arsenal, Louisa corrected her softly. It's French. She shifted so she was standing next to her painting with her back to the wall. She hugged her sketchbook to her chest as her classmates, all 15 of them, gathered in a semicircle. Only Maureen brought a chair, its legs squeaking against the floor. She set it in front of Louisa's painting and sat down, crossing her arms. There was a long silence, her classmates' faces unreadable. Maureen wore bifocals, and she had a habit of tipping up her chin when appraising a painting, as though she were looking down at it. Finally, Jack Lickia, who wore a baseball cap embroidered with Eat the Rich, said, My problem with your painting isn't that it's kitschy, exactly. He stood near the back, but he towered over everyone, his voice carrying clear across the room. He was known for his digital mashups of assassinated presidents and murdered rappers, the notorious JFK, Tupac Lincoln, Freaky McKinley. My problem with it is that it screams, I am from the South, but it's like a Southern Gothic light. Louisa bristled. 
she wasn't just from the South. She was from Acadiana. Expelled by the British from Nova Scotia, her Acadian ancestors had settled in the swamps of southwestern Louisiana before it was even a part of the United States. Pepere, who as a child had been beaten for speaking Cajun French at school, had served as an interpreter for American troops in France during World War II. She wasn't Southern, she was Cajun. Louisa flipped to a blank, blank page in her sketchbook. She hunched over and wrote Southern Gothic light slowly in neat cursive. What do we think about the formal elements, said Maureen. Emma Ochoa, who made brooding canvases about being in a long distance relationship, said something about the blue in the clouds picking up the color of the bird's eye and giving the painting nice movement. Demir Erdem, who was Turkish and movie star handsome, smiled at Louisa and praised her use of red in the cypress bark. Movement, Louisa wrote, cypress bark, red. While making the painting, building the frame, stretching and gessoing and sanding the canvas, sketching out the composition, consulting her photos of Lake Martin, refining her lines with each iteration, Louisa had fallen in love with it. She'd seen what this painting might do, how it might make someone feel. She'd hoped to convey how intensely she experienced the landscape of her home, how heavily the air weighs, hinting at delusion and decay, how plants grow with such vigor that a cat's claw vine can crack a house's foundation. Um, you mentioned that this passage, first of all, thank you for reading, but you mentioned that it, you had to rewrite it a lot. Um, why? Was it because it was the beginning or was there something else? I think it was because it was the beginning. And this is something I'm grappling with as I work on my next book. Mm -hmm. Beginnings are really hard. Uh, mm -hmm. I think you're you're juggling a lot of balls, right? You're 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 introducing, you know, the main character and the setting and you know, and you know, the stakes, right? Um, mm -hmm. and that's a tricky thing to do without getting really info dumpy. Um and you're also, you know, you're you're really trying to seduce the reader at this point in the story. There, this is the point in the novel where, you know, the reader is either going to keep going or they're going to put the book down and yeah. move on to something else. So you're there's there's really a lot a lot of balls in the air um, in the beginning. And um, I I re gosh I rewrote it so many times. Um, yeah. Now when you when you read, what seduces you? What what what? draws in you as a reader I think it's you know it depends a lot on um the you know the type of novel often mm -hmm. it's the voice um often it's it's the situation um in the beginning um I mean often it's just the first line um and you know sometimes it's it's a character um just a character uh compels me from from the very beginning so it's i mean it's it's never just one thing and i think that's what's tricky for yeah. me about writing beginnings it's like how how am i going to create the thing that seduces the reader and that you know keeps them turning the page i want to thank antonia for joining the day beautiful podcast first taste reading series to read from her debut book sirens and muses you can find her on the internet at antoniaangris.com and on twitter and instagram at antoniaangris you can discover more debut authors at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at daybeautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.